Come, Holy Spirit, come. Teach us the word of God. Fill us with the love of God and transform our hearts to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now, you probably agree with me, if you were listening to today's gospel, that this is one of the most dismal gospel passages in Scripture. Did you hear what Jesus said? You need to hate your father, your mother, your family, and unless you give away all your possessions, you cannot be my disciple. What is that? Where does that leave us? Well, hopefully, we're going to provide a little bit of context and encouragement to understand this passage in a better way. Jesus spoke these words to large crowds that were following him, but it happened right after a parable that he told, and you have to know what the parable is in order to unlock the key of how he would use this type of language. The parable that he told was about a king, and in the king's graciousness, he provided a great banquet, and he invited all of his guests to the banquet. And of course, this is Jesus continuing the 700-year tradition of the great banquet of God at the end of all time, where God invites people by his grace and mercy to sit at the king's table and feast on the king's food. This is the great banquet at the end of time, and Jesus makes this illusion. Well, guess what? People had excuses for not coming to the king's banquet in the parable. One guy says, oh, I bought a field and I need to go check on it. Another person says, well, I've bought some oxen and I've got to make sure that they're right. And then another man said, and the first two asked for permission to be excused. At least they were thoughtful enough. But their excuses in that day and time would not have been considered legitimate excuses. The third person, their excuse was, well, I have a new wife and we're going to be a little busy. That's how, that's how it was interpreted all these years. And he didn't even ask for permission. He just said, I'm not going to be there. So all of these invitations were not taken up on. There were excuses about why they couldn't get to the great king's banquet. The king was angry, and then he sent out his servants and said, just go out into all the lanes and the highways and find anybody that will come. The lame, the blind, the maimed, all of the sort of undesirables, the unworthy people, so to speak, and invite them to the banquet. And the king because of his anger, became gracious and invited just anybody. But he did say at the end of the parable, For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. Because they refused the invitation. And then Jesus went on to describe the cost of discipleship. So, we are actually being invited to the banquet. God in his grace has invited unworthy people like me, like you, to his banquet at the end of time. By his love and his grace, he's saying, come on, 
come to the great banquet. The question is, is what will we do with that invitation that's been extended by God? What will we do with this unbelievable offer to sit with God at his banquet table and feast with him? The problem is people have excuses about why they can't show up. The problem with us is we have excuses about why we can't come to that banquet. So let's talk about that. Luke Timothy Johnson, a scholar, says the parable of the banquet and the demands of discipleship, which we hear in today's gospel, together make the same point. The call of God issued by Jesus must relativize all other claims on life. The parable shows how entanglement with persons and things can, in effect, be a refusal of the invitation. The demands make clear that the choice for discipleship demands precisely the choice against a complete involvement in possessions or people. And so that is what stands before us. And so we have three points today. The first point is, is that every choice involves sacrifice. By saying yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. Number two, there is a cost in following Jesus as a disciple. There's a cost to being a disciple of Jesus. We can't escape that cost. But number three... The benefit of following Jesus into his kingdom and finally ending up at that great banquet table of God is priceless and eternal. And we do not want to miss it. So let's talk about how not to miss the invitation. Well, point number one, every decision involves sacrifice. We're saying yes to something. We have to say no to something else. That is inevitable. Now, we as a culture, and we especially in this part of town, have more choices than any other people or culture in the history of the human race. I dare you to suggest otherwise. It's just a fact. How many channels do we have on our cable television? I can remember when there was just three channels. Remember that? And then PBS came along and you had four choices of channels. We have hundreds of choices of channels, hundreds of choices on the shelves at the stores, hundreds and hundreds of choices everywhere. Our greatest challenge is learning to say no, to actually say no so we can say yes to better things. Our challenge is learning to say no to lesser things so we can say yes to greater things and not miss out on the invitation. Uh, I'll never forget a family asked me to come and speak to their fifth grader who was struggling. And they are not members of this church, but they are members of a church. And so I went and I spoke to the fifth grader and We talked about the things he was struggling with, and we closed with a prayer, and we circled up, and we began to say the Lord's Prayer. 
and I realized that the fifth grader, who was a member of a church that said the Lord's Prayer in the context of the liturgy every single Sunday, did not know the Lord's Prayer. And I thought, that is the saddest thing I can imagine. This was a nice family, a successful family, but they have a ranch. And they got to go to the ranch a lot. There's football games. There's lots to do. Their friends have ranches, so they've got to go to those ranches. There's sports. And before they knew it, even though they were members of a church, they have a fifth grader who doesn't even know the words to the Lord's Prayer. That, in effect, is missing the invitation by choosing to go after other things than God's things. And that's just the truth, my friends. And so what we have to guard against is not allowing the lesser things to encroach upon our lives and possess us and keep us from God and that banquet table and the banquet that we have with God every Sunday, but also the banquet we have or can have with God every single morning. William Barclay said that someone claimed to have studied under a great scholar. Someone went to that scholar and mentioned that person's name, and this is what the scholar said. He may have attended my lectures, but he was not one of my students. Okay, Jesus is slaying some sacred cows right here today, isn't he? So, to say yes to something is to sacrifice something else, point number one. Point number two, there is a cost to following Jesus, and Jesus lays out what that cost is. He mentions three things. The first is, is that you will have to prioritize God, and all other relationships in your life are going to have to follow underneath that. And that's what that language, hate, father and mother and all that, actually means. It means that God's going to come first, and if God's first, everybody else is in second place. So Jesus will require us, if we're going to follow as a disciple, he's going to require that we reorder all of our relationships under the primary relationship of God, and that means even our spouse and our children. Number two... Jesus says that we have to bear our cross, which means that we have to put ourselves to death. It is a self-offering, self-sacrificial type of life that we're called to enter into, and it means the death of our own self-will. The transformation of our wills from self-will to willing and doing God's will is a lifelong process. And don't I know it, because I'm trying to do that. I'm a part of that process, making my self-will diminish that I can do more of God's will in every area of my life. And anyone who's really trying that knows that it's going to be a lifelong process. And you're going to have to stay at it. Talk about stanima. 
I wasn't even going to mention that word, but since Father Wismer did such a good job with that, that's what it takes if you're going to follow Jesus in this way. The third thing Jesus mentions is possessions. A few weeks ago, we mentioned that God owns everything. We really don't own anything. We don't even own our own life. Life is a gift. What we possess is a gift. Our talents and gifts are a gift from God. And we are stewards, and we use those in order to do God's will. We use our resources, and not only to provide for ourselves, but for the things of God, to church, to provide for people in need. So it's just the ordering of our resources to allow those resources to flow to the things of God, and that's what we're simply called to do. And so Jesus says, all of your possessions are really in the hands of God. You have to be close enough to God to decide how those resources and those possessions are supposed to flow out from you to others and to the things of God. And so, God calls us to this lifelong repentance, this lifelong discipleship, and it is the transformation of our mind, our heart, and our will. And this transformation takes place through thousands of small choices. Our hearts and our will and our mind will be transformed to finally do the will of God which will become normal and natural for us at some point, that transformation happens through thousands of small choices where we say yes or no as we move forward in our discipleship, as we say yes more and more to that invitation from God. Well, the third point, the benefit of following Jesus into his kingdom the benefit of saying yes to that invitation over and over and over again is absolutely priceless. And it is eternal, by the way. So don't miss the invitation to follow Jesus into the kingdom and into the banquet. There are benefits even now because even now, As we are transformed as disciples, as we follow, we are able to gain a certain peace, the peace that passes all understanding. We don't have to be as anxious as we might be. We can enjoy possessions without being possessed by them. That is a possibility. I see it all the time. People are very generous in this community. And we can actually seek the good of others. We can will the good of others. We can do good to others regardless of what they think of us or how they treat us. And that's the definition of agape love. We can actually love with the love of God here and now as we enter into this. We can finally trust God to provide for our needs. God is so good that he will give us not only our needs, but many of our wants as well. That's how good God is. It's amazing. Jesus said, have joy, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
Jesus said about God, our Heavenly Father is going to take care of you. If he pays attention to the, uh, the flowers and the birds of the air, how much more is he going to pay attention to you to make sure you have what you need? Jesus said, seek first God and God's kingdom and everything else is going to be provided for you in the proper order. You can trust God to provide for your needs. God's so good, you're going to get some of your wants even thrown in. Isn't that incredible? You're not going to get all of your wants because God knows better than that. Because our wants just go on and on and on. We, our list would just go on forever, wouldn't it? Because we know ourselves. But God will provide for our needs and for our wants. Now, the key to this, I believe, is understanding that we have an opportunity and an invitation every single morning to say yes to God. We can miss a Sunday because I'm not saying you can't go to a football game or to a ranch or go hunting or all the different things we want to do. I'm not saying that. I I wouldn't think Jesus would even say that. What I am saying is, is that if you choose to take 15 minutes a day, as I wrote in my letter, if you take 15 minutes a day and offer yourselves to God, devote yourselves to God, stand before God in prayer, offer your life and your will to God and all that you are and all that you do, if you do that, you will be saying yes to the invitation of discipleship and the great banquet of the kingdom, and it will begin to transform you and your heart and your mind and your will to continually say yes over and over and over again to make those thousands of choices which make up who we are becoming and say yes to God over and over again. So you can miss a Sunday, but I would suggest don't miss a day. Don't miss a day to stand before God. Now, it took me so many years to get to the point to where I have prioritized morning prayer. It has been struggle. It has been battle. It has been blood and guts. Let me tell you, and anybody who's ever tried to consistently do morning prayer knows it is that. It is a struggle. Once you have gotten through it, and it has become normal and regular for you, you will never want to let it go because it is truly priceless and it is eternal. And so I would urge you to say yes to the invitation every single morning, early before anything else happens. You're going to have to get up earlier than you already even get up to do this, to pull this off. But you can. Say yes to God every single morning and allow God in that priceless and eternal way to transform you to continually say yes to not only discipleship, but yes to this invitation to his great banquet that he so wants us to attend. Amen.